Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Class Divide podcast. For anyone new to the series or new to Class Divide, I urge you to listen from episode one for the full story. But if you haven't, here's a really quick snippet from episode two featuring fellow co-founder of Class Divide, Carly Goldsmith. Whitehawk is one of the UK's most deprived communities, but under the tarmac and terraced houses lie the remains of one of the UK's most important archaeological sites. So I've climbed to the top of Whitehawk Hill with Carly Goldsmith, and we're looking out across Whitehawk Estate. And the hill that we're standing on is the first place people settled in Brighton um, 5,500 years ago predates Stonehenge by about a thousand years and it's it's right under our feet. Carly, describe to me what we can see in front of us. So you've got a big blue sky and you also have an amazing sea view. So the fact that you can see the sea from here always astonishes me. Um, and right around the estate is green space. So you've got the start of the South Downs um, and you've got Brighton Racecourse Um, Down in the valley is the estate itself with all of the housing, but there are large kind of green spaces on the estate. And I think one of the things that people often don't realise or recognise is actually quite how beautiful it is. So Class Divider, a grassroots campaign group fighting for education, equity in Brighton and Hove. And our focus is in the east of Brighton on the estates of Whitehawk, Manor Farm and Bristol Estate. Parts of East Brighton are ranked amongst the most disadvantaged wars in England, with 43% of children living in poverty and only 37% achieving basic GCSE grades. We've been campaigning through events, petitioning the council, building support in the community and making this podcast series. And I'm involved because I grew up in East Brighton on the Bristol Estate and I went to school at St Mark's and then Stanley Deason, which morphed into Marina High and finally Comart before its closure in 2005. We cover the closure of Comart, which became known as the school that died of poverty, in a Guardian News story, in episode 4. It was a big turning point in the city's ability to offer a good education to all children. One of the things that was really apparent is that over in the hills and hollows of East Brighton, a mixture of stigma and unheard voices, mixed with terrible policies formed in meeting rooms far, far away, created this catastrophe. And the ramifications are still being felt today, predominantly in some of Brighton's least advantaged communities. I'm here with my twin brother Simon because we've got something exciting to announce today. But before we do that, I wanted to share a story about something that happened to me and Simon when we were 15 and at school in Whitehawk. So let's set the scene. We we were at that school that we mentioned, um, so it was Stanley Deason then, and we were 15 we probably come into school just expecting just to do normal stuff that we weren't always particularly into but something special was happening and we got taken to the music classroom and when when we walked in there were a bunch of people we hadn't seen before some adults and a bunch of equipment that I had seen before but I'd only ever seen watching Top of the Pops on a Thursday evening Simon say a little bit more about sort of what was happening Yeah, it was really exciting. I think we'd both had an interest in music that was starting to become more technical and electronic and using new technology in the 80s. And I think we both used to watch Top of the Pops 
quite closely to see what those kind of gadgets and and those bits of equipment were and like you say as we walked into that classroom there we were faced with some of this equipment that was kind of almost mythical and and certainly held some magical powers i can't quite remember whether we had a whole day i doubt it it must have been an hour or two we were able to touch this equipment and play with it and of course we didn't really know what we were doing but it was probably one of the most exciting things that happened at school yeah i mean just to sort of name some of the, the sort of names of the equipment and it I don't know probably will mean nothing to most people listening but they, you know they I mean, you, most people will know what a pair of record decks are right you've seen DJs um, sort of mix with record decks so they had that stuff there but they also had something that was quite new really in the world of music they had a sampler um, it was an emulator a sampler and I'd seen these on top of the pops and you know they enabled you to record any sound and then play it across a keyboard and obviously that stuff's now ubiquitous it's everywhere on iPads and you know it's, it's technology that anyone really can access if they've got those sort of tools but back then that was stuff that like Simon said it felt magical to be allowed to play on this stuff and you know Simon just said and I feel exactly the same I felt like I walked out of that session sort of almost knowing exactly what I wanted to do in my life you know like I I would from that point on do everything I could to try and make music using that kind of equipment yeah, and I think it kind of sealed our fate, really. We just knew from that point on, as you say, that that's what we wanted to do. And um, there was not really anything else that would interest us. And it's probably worth saying that neither of us had really connected or, or taken to any form of academic studies. And we found that quite difficult. And it, it just it didn't feel natural to us. And so to find this really exciting, inspiring thing that really lit a fire for us and gave us such inspiration and, and, and excitement was a really powerful moment. We could talk lots about sort of what happened after that, but because this special podcast episode is about an event or some work that's happening that Simon's going to be heavily involved in, I just wanted us to say a little bit about that. But Simon, can you say a little bit it's just a summary of sort of what that led on to for you and sort of what you're doing now, what your work is now. I have been so lucky to have gone on and used those kinds of tools. The same kind of tools that we played with in that classroom have been my my tools for all of my adult life. And that's seen me making records. I've made soundtracks for TV and film I've done commercial things like adverts and TV channel branding. And then beyond that, I've got to travel the world and listen and record sounds and play with those sounds and also perform live in front of audiences. And it's been the most rewarding and fulfilling life that I can imagine. It's my passion and it's never felt like a job. And I feel absolutely lucky and privilege that I've had the opportunity and it's, it's probably important to say I think I did mention before that we're twins so we probably sound quite similar so <laughs> as listeners I don't know you, you we might not sometimes know who's talking so it's Curtis here um, and I'm Simon yeah I'm over on the left hand side so yeah. try and remember yeah. that 
I talked a bit about this in episode five. You know, it's the episode where we talk about what happens after school, and I mentioned some stats. And I, I mean, I'm not going to go, go into great detail, but there aren't many people from council estates doing this sort of stuff. And I guess it's part of the mission, you know, the longer term mission, I think, for Class Divide, that we we want to readdress that. And not just in creative industries, but all sorts of areas where there's an absolute lack of representation of people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds working in those worlds. How does Class Divide connect to all of this stuff? So just coming back to the podcast, when I set out to make the initial series... I always knew that Series 1 would be about the history, really, and looking back with just a little bit of looking into the future in some of the final episodes. But right from the early days of working on it, I I did make a plan for making something with young people. So we released the podcast series. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it's towards the end of the series coming out. Brighton Festival got in touch, saying they'd listened to the podcast series, they were really into it, thought it was really important... And they were interested in whether or not we could represent Class Divide or the podcast in some way in the festival in 2024. And I just thought, well, it's obvious. We, we take that initial idea and we merge it into something that we, we make for the festival. So I'm really excited to announce that Brighton Festival ended up commissioning a sound art project that we've named Neolithic Cannibals. And we're working in collaboration with Lighthouse to produce it. It's going to culminate in a city centre gallery exhibition in May and it's all going to be made with young artists from Whitehawk who will spend the next couple of months making that piece of sound art. Simon, say a little bit more about what's happening. Well, in a way, it's, it's, it's tricky to say because we don't really know what it is yet because the work will be decided and made by the young people and that's, that's a work in progress. But we do have some ideas because we'll be presenting some equipment so some of the the strange synthesizers that I use to make sound effects for TV and film things and strange microphones that allow you to listen into hidden sounds and we'll also be setting some themes around which the young people can explore using sound and that's some of that will be around the Neolithic camp up on the hill that overlooks Whitehawk and then they will be just exploring the sort of the contemporary environment of Whitehawk. So listening and recording the soundscape. So just all of the sounds that make up the experience of living in that area. And some of the sounds you can hear in the background right now, they're just a little sort of, I guess, taster of some of the playfulness that's going to be happening. Say, just before we listen to a bit more of that, so I say a little bit about what was happening uh, when you were doing this stuff. Yeah, well, this was a taster session that I did at the crew club in Whitehawk where the workshops where we'll be making the work will be held. And really this was just um, a first session that was all about play, and play will run through all of the workshops. And all that I did was I set up a table of strange sound-making equipment and set them loose on it. And there were no rules. You can't break these instruments. You can't do anything wrong. So, yeah, it really is just pure sound exploration with no, no boundaries. Yeah. 
and what was it like with them? I mean, it, it you know it sounds from just what I'm hearing like it was quite good fun. And what, how did they react to it? Yeah, it, it was brilliant because they you know the looks on their faces when they started to hear the sounds that they were controlling by turning the knobs or flicking the switches. And at first there were just a handful of young people in the room, and as the sound started to build and grow more children were coming in because they were just drawn into these strange sounds. And I and I suppose, actually, that's also our hope with what we're making here is those fantastical, slightly unusual um, sounds, they're a way of drawing people into listening through inquisitiveness. And that listening can then extend into listening to some of the difficult um, areas that Class Divide explores through the podcast around education inequality. So that's, I suppose, a wider theme and hope for this, that it will just encourage listening by the wider city to an area that can be considered unheard. We're not going to say too much more about the work because really it's going to be a piece of art and describing art is a bit weird. So really, <laughs> I find it very difficult. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll let you come and experience it, you know, in, in May. Um, but there was one more thing I just wanted to touch on regarding why it's important that we're doing this work that Simon and myself feel super lucky that that we had that experience when we were 15 that we mentioned just at the start of this episode and also lucky that there are a bunch of other conditions that were about when we were sort of leaving school and you know we were in in a sort of an environment where we had a much more slightly more forgiving social security system that enabled Simon and I to experiment with what we were doing when we left school in a way that young people just can't really do now. And I mean, this is these are topics that actually we're going to be talking a lot more about in some evening talk events that we're going to host in the exhibition, and we'll be sharing more about that later. But I just felt it was really important to say that you know, this is a tiny little step towards getting more people from really underrepresented backgrounds in this kind of world doing stuff like this and we're not going to fix the challenges the sort of systemic challenges that exist that stop people from places like Whitehawk being involved in this kind of work we can't fix that with this little project but it's a tiny step towards trying to fix some of that stuff and and I guess the main thing is getting people to listen to those challenges getting people to think about the part they play in those challenges and also think about what they can do what they can change um, to, to maybe change those things so there's a playful part of this, there's an activist part of this, there's clearly a part that obviously connects to education and class divide. Can I just say that one of the early things that I wrote down when I was thinking about this exhibition was that the space itself where the exhibition is held is described as a compassionate space of listening because that's the, all the things that you were just describing there, it, it's time they were discussed and it's time they were discussed throughout the city and the the exhibition space will be a safe space to have those conversations for everyone to be a part of. So just a few details about the exhibition itself, just so you can put some dates in your diary and know where you're going to be going. So the exhibition's going to be on from the 4th of May at the Lighthouse Gallery. And to find all the details about that, head to lighthouse.org.uk you can find that link in the show notes. We'll also be posting on our Instagram and X, which is at Divide Class, and Lighthouse will do the same. And I'll put all these links in the show notes. 
so yeah we're, we're really looking forward to sharing this work with you thank you for listening to the podcast and this episode and yeah we'll see you soon bye